0: Your are us, and kind God, we thank you that your love for us stays the same. Amen. Um. Okay. So, uh. Oh. your first time my name is Edgar King I am the lead pastor and on behalf of this church community and our team thank you for joining us we are happy to share this day with you I heard uh, some uh, some people are joking that uh, it's this place gets unpredictable you come ready to sing all Sunday and then there is a long talk you come ready to hear a talk and then you sing all Sunday you come ready to break for tea and then there is no tea You know, uh, Kenya is a country, keep everyone guessing. I hear that's why drivers don't use their blinkers. Don't let anyone know your next move. Um, So, there there are some pieces of paper that are being passed around. The series we're starting might just raise some questions for so many people. And so, even during this day, if if I say something and you're just like, what? what did you just say? Or it raises a question. I'd like you to write it down. And we have a bucket at the end. Could you just remove the lid, please? Uh, just put the questions in there at the end of this. So that hopefully as we continue in the next couple of weeks, we will answer some of those questions uh, that come up. But if you have very difficult questions, my name is Joy McCann. Um... So up until college, I actually never met an Edgar. Never. Um, I only, well, and now there's one in church. So This is getting interesting. I thought I was very unique. But I only knew historical figures by that name. You know, J. Edgar Hoover, former FBI director during the lifetime of Martin Luther King. Edgar Allan Poe, uh, a famous poet and author of the 19th century. King Edgar the Peaceful, the guy who united England and... Edgar than me. Those are the only Edgars I was aware of, you know? Um, and then in my sophomore year of college, I got put in a, in a four-person dormitory with two other Edgars. So there were three Edgars. and I'm like, whoa, what a way to burst my bubble. So if someone came into the room and just said, hey, I wanted to see Edgar, I was like, well, which, which one? Especially if we all knew you. It's like, oh, I, I, just, I, came, out to ha- I came to hang out with Edgar. Which one? Um, uh, you know, and, and so you'd probably start by, you'd find ways to distinguish us. Especially if you're telling a story about us, you'd find ways to distinguish us. One of the ways you would do that is by using our family names. So the funny thing about my family, because I'm about to use or my family name, we actually don't share a family name. But anyway, so you'd say, oh, I meant Edgar King. Immediately, that tells people, okay, you're talking of of Edgar, the son of Odero, not the other Edgars, right? So names are kind of a big deal. They distinguish us. Um, But then, uh, if you didn't know our last name... Wow, Jerry, you're really smiling. You're very happy today. Good to see you. <laughs> if you didn't know our last name, uh, you'd, you, you'd probably tell, tell, say something like, oh, I mean Edgar, the one in the College of Eco- uh, Business and Economics. The other two were in the College of Sciences and something. Uh, I was in the College of Business and Economics. Now you're beginning to distinguish us. And uh, you'd say, oh yeah, there's one who is uh, 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 of a darker complexion. Or you'd say, oh no, I mean the Edgar who grew up in Nairobi. We all grew up in different places. Or you'd say the Edgar who grew up in Nakuru. What are you doing? You're beginning to tell our story as a way to distinguish us. You could use our name. You could use our story. Or imagine this. This. Someone goes to uh, George and says, oh yeah, I, I met, I, you know Edgar, yeah, I met Edgar and he really beat me up. George would go, mm, maybe not the same Edgar I know. Why? Because he knows me. He knows my character. I would go, uh, yeah, you might have met a different Edgar, right? When, when, when people, um, people close to you know you beyond your name and your story, they know your character. And so when they, they describe you, they will use your name, your story, and your character. So they go, oh. And, and every time you mention the name, for, for people who know you closely, every time your name is mentioned, the way they know you, their knowing of you comes to mind. Some of you have uh, those, those, you know, some people have those faces. Everybody meets you and think, ah, oh, I know you. And then they realize, no, I have one of those faces. Some of you have one of those names. Everybody's called this. You know, if you go to a place and you say, hey, I'm Mike, there will be probably seven others. Um, I don't know why parents decide to do that. Thank God. Um, Oh, oh oh my God. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh Uh-oh. Please don't leave church. But... Uh, uh, but, but then those who know you closely, the moment your name is mentioned, then knowing of you comes to mind, which includes your story and your character. Name, story, character. That's how we distinguish people apart. And you know what? I think that's the same thing with God. And, and, and he, he has a name. He has a story, and he has a character. And, and I think to know God is to know him by his name, to know him by his story, and to know him by his character. And, and as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to be intentional. We need to be very careful how we think about God. Oftentimes, from this stage, you say that how we think about God is a, is a very big deal because it determines how you think about yourself, yourself, others and the world around you so we need to be very careful how uh, how we think about God and so I want to make a case that to know God is to know him by name story and character um here are a few interesting things to think about when we say God what do we even mean okay I'm gonna take this what do we even mean During public celebrations in Kenya, the president will ask people of different faiths to come and pray. And because they will pray either in Swahili or English, they will all use the name God or Mungu, right? Are we praying to the same being? What do we even mean by that word? Um, And I'm, I'm not faulting the practice. Kenya is not a Christian nation. And, you know, so I'm not faulting the practice. I'm I'm just asking us as believers to think through this. What do we even mean when we use the word uh, the word God? Um, uh, or think about the fact that Kenya has over 42 different people groups, right? And we all have different names meaning God. We have different distinct language, distinct culture, distinct stories of origin, don't we? And and and. And, you know, when we started following Jesus, uh, we just transferred those names exactly to who we worship. And uh, the question is, uh, so in Kenya, there's been in, in, the, in the last couple of years, uh, I'd say five or ten, there's been a springing up of, of ancient African worship, right? And sacrifices and all of that. Uh, and they also use the same names. When, when we had trouble in some forests and people are taking oaths and, 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 and making sacrifices, they would use the same name for God as we use in those languages. Are we talking of the same thing, same person? Or who is God? A being? A force of nature? Nature itself? Power? What do we mean when we say God? And how would you know? Name, story, character. Name, story, character. I want to give you an example. You know, uh, if you, if someone says, hey, uh, I met your pastor and, and then said, oh yeah, I know he grew up in Nairobi. You'd go, no, 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 that's not our pastor. He grew up in Nakuru. I just thought that's an interesting fact you should all know. So if you see a story in the papers of an ed- that's not me. Uh, you know, that, that, that's. A story is part of how we identify people. But even if you said that, you, you, you still don't know my name. So you probably don't even know me. But that differentiating story marks me apart from the few Edgars that exist. Um, okay. So uh, uh, there's a story of... of uh, there's an origin story where people, uh, a couple is brought down from the mountain from the... From the, uh, from the peak of the mountain where it's all white and uh, representing holiness. And a couple was brought down. And, uh, 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 and then later on, uh, their daughters got, got husbands. And then there's a story of a, of a God who created using his hands in his own image. Two different stories, right? Are those the same being? But we both, we call those two beings Ngai, right? So, there's another story of, 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 of a God who, who uh, brought his people out from the busting of the knee. And then there's another story of a God who, after using his own hands to create creatures that he loves, he put his breath in them. Two different stories. But they both would go by the name Cheptalel or Asis. Like, are we talking about the same person? We need to be careful how we think about these things. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with his names. God, uh, 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 Guy, Nyasai. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those names. They function a lot more like titles. Even the word God is just a title. It, it's used... As we experience it, it's used to refer to so many, many things. Yet, the stories are different. I argue the names are even different. So for followers of Jesus, to answer some of these questions, we look to Scripture. That's for followers of Jesus. I'm I'm, I'm not going to stand somewhere and and tell everyone, no, 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 Forget, forget what you do. Look to Scripture, unless they follow Jesus. So for you and I sitting here, I want to go, hey, we look to Scripture to answer these questions. And, and we not only take Scripture seriously, we believe it. And so uh, when we ask, and we ask the question, what does God say about His name, His story, and His character, we go to Scripture. Why don't we stand together to read Scripture? Let's read from... Um, Oh yeah, I was going to say, yes. Thank you, Stacy. So we're starting this series that will likely lead us into Christmas. We'll be looking at what is God's name and why does that even matter? And, 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 and so today specifically, we will, we will answer the question, why does God's name matter? So let's read from Exodus 3. Let's go. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt... You will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said, I am. That is what you to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, The God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me for generation to generation. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we know this story a bit too well. We all grew up uh, with the movie Moses and the Ten Commandments, a version of that movie, Moses and the Ten Commandments, the Prince of Egypt. So we kind of know the story, and the problem is, and, and a lot of us grew up in church. So, so the problem is we miss the nuances of what's going on here. So I want to catch us up. So uh, uh, Israelites are in slavery in Egypt, and, and they've been there for 400 years. And, and they've been crying out, you know, oppression isn't fun. Israelites were the descendants, these people are the descendants of, of a guy called Abraham through the, the forefathers Isaac and Jacob. The story of those three people I just mentioned is what really takes up most of the book of Genesis. When, when you open your Bible, I know... People are just like, when will he actually carry a physical Bible? And then the one day I carry it, it's a prop. No. Okay, I thought it was warmer than that. Anyway, so um, when, when we open uh, our Bibles, the first story, sorry, the first what we call book is the book of Genesis. And, and most of the stories are about these three people and their encounters with God. And then the second book is Exodus, and so that's where we're coming in. I just want us to realize we're coming in the middle of a big story. These stories are not disjointed. We're in the middle of a big story. So I will take us all the way back to actually how that book starts. Genesis 1. In the beginning, Elohim created, I will not try to read that, the heavens, and not try to read that, the earth, right? Right? Your your English translations just say God. Right? In the beginning, God created. It, and that's a weird thing. So here's the thing. Uh, 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 we, we are okay with that language because we kind of know who this story is about. But I want us to I want to bring you into something that we often overlook. You see that word Elohim? Elohim is a Hebrew word. Meaning God, just any God, or Godhood. So nothing special has happened yet. The reason we need to know this is Israelites' uh, Canon, where, where these Israelites were living at the time of uh, these things were being put down, there are so many, many, many gods. So the only thing the Bible is saying at the beginning is that we're talking of God. Who is the creator God? What's the problem with that? Well, what's one of the other things that is going on? Not problem, okay. One of the other things that is going on, every nation that surrounded them had a version of creator God. So nothing unique has happened yet. Nothing unique has happened yet. See, it's just like here in Kenya, Every tribe and people group have an origin story. So if you say, oh, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, every tribe will say, of course he did. But then the story continues. This is how this God created the heaven and the earth. He used his, he used his word and through his spirit he brought everything to being. And on the seventh day he rested. Ah, now we're getting a story. So, in the beginning, God created. Well, other things fall off. Now we remain with a group of beings that could that claim to have created. Okay, now, let me tell you how this one created. He used his breath and his word. And oh, now we're talking of a very particular God. And he rested on the seventh day. Ah, okay. So you see what a story does? So, so far, we have a story, but we really don't have a name. What happens is that this particular God whose story starts. So all the Bible says in the, in the first pages of Genesis is we're about to start a very particular story of a very particular God. That's what Genesis 1 is telling us. We are starting a story of a very particular God. Then this particular God, the one whose story has started in Genesis 1 started interacting with a man called Avraham. Oh no, he was called Avram at that point. So now he then appears to, his, uh, to him and, and, and he makes promises to him. He appears to his, his son, Isaac, and he makes promises to, to them. He appears to his grandson, Yaakov, and he makes promises to them. And they start interacting with this particular God, who protects them, he leads them, he, 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 he changes their name, he provides for them. What is happening? We are building a story. We are building a story of a very particular God. But guess what? They still don't know his name. Everywhere throughout Genesis, when people refer to God, except where it's narrative, when people refer to God, they say, The God of Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. They don't know, they don't have a name. They just go, oh, yeah, there's this, there's this God that those people worship. So they don't have a name, but they have a story. They have a story. Oh, he changed my name from Yaakov to Israel. Oh, okay, okay. What else? Oh, he provided for me. I was about to sacrifice my son out of faithfulness, and then he brought it. Oh, okay. So they have a story with this God. But all he is known as is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, you'll be going, wait, wait, wait a minute. What about El Shedai, El what, what about Aren't those God's names? Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. These are qualities of God. As they would encounter this particular God, and he would provide, they say, ah, this is the God who provides. After they would encounter God, and, and they would realize that he sees them, they'd go, ah, this is the God who sees. You see that word, um, uh, the first, there's a letter E-L, okay, well, my screen's so, ah, oh, well, not that one. Well, you see the first two letters, E-L, that's what Canaanites Called their chief god. That's what Canaanites called their chief god. And then their chief god had other gods beneath him that they would be that they would call benay Elohim or just Elohim. They would just call them the sons of God. Some of you have opened some very very confusing part, not confusing but if you thought about it they would be so confusing. Uh, um, in the Old Testament where it just says the sons of God. For example, the, the angels that, that descended and, and, and uh, lusted uh, after the, uh, the children of human beings and created these weird monsters. What does it say? The sons of God. What does that even mean? That would be the word that would be used, Elohim. And, and so every time you encounter um, El Shaddai or El Elyon, what, what these people are saying is, okay, it's like God, sorry, it's like El, but better than El. El is what everyone in Canaan called their God. But the Israelites are saying, it's like El, but better than El. It's like El, but this one provides. It's like El, but this one sees. It's like El, but this one is merciful. You see what's happening? They're building a story as they see the characteristics of God. But then all they say is, ah, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, it's it's almost another example. When you say, ah, I met a worship leader from Nakuru. Well, that's a couple thousand people. No, 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 no. He leads worship in the vineyard church. Well, that doesn't narrow it any because we have two vineyard churches in Nakuru and I, I don't know how many there are there. So let's say there are three worship leaders here. We have like four worship leaders here. So that doesn't narrow it down any. But then you start saying, oh, no, no, this one is gentle and, and, and doesn't speak too much and he's tall and handsome. <laughs> right. Now we know who we are talking about. So we're talking, oh, worship leader, the tall one. But we still don't have a name yet. You don't know? We just now know. Oh, you're talking about the worship leader from Trinity. Yes, that one. So that's how those names I've just mentioned work. El El Shaddai, uh, El Yon. It's like, yeah, it's it's like El, but better. So this is where we are in the story. Okay? Can we move on now? So when Moses shows up in the scene we just dived into, this is why Moses asks for a name. There's one more reason, and I'm going to mention that next week so that you can keep coming to church. I'm just going to go next week. Suspense. So this is why Moses asked for a name, because the gods had names. The other reason is that they were living in a, in, a, in a time and a place where there were so many things being worshipped. So, jumping back into the story. I'll just read some of the scriptures as they appear on screen. Do not come closer. I'm now, I've included some changes with the information I've given you. I've included some changes now. Do not come closer. Elohim... Said, Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the Elohim of your father, the Elohim of Avraham, the Elohim of Yitzhak, the Elohim of Yaakov. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at Elohim. See what's happening here? Moses can tell he's in the presence of God but the narrator is letting us know that Moses does not know the name of God. And then God introduces himself. What does God do? He brings up his story. You see the moment the moment God says I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he's he's taking out his CV. Because Moses knew the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what God is doing, he's invoking his story. Saying, oh, you remember the God who provides? That's me. You remember the God who, who sees? That's me. He's invoking his story. You remember the three things that help us identify his people? Name? Story? So God has just brought out his story. He's distinguishing himself from any other God. But this also hints to something. That there are other gods. You see, what God is also saying, there are other gods. Let me tell you which one I am. I am the one that your father and his grand, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worshipped. Your your ancestors, the founders of this nation, I am the one they worshipped. Ah, you're not all the others. You're this one. You see, in those days... People worship different gods depending on the area they lived in. So Egypt and Nubia would have their own gods depending on, on, on the needs they had. So if it was harvest time, there was a particular god for harvest. There was a particular god for, for fertility, all these things. And, and then depending on the fears they had, if you feared death so much, death becomes a god and you try to please him lest he, take, he or she takes you. It's not very different from our nation here. Different people groups lived in different places, and they had different gods. I was looking at the names to put up, uh, um, and I noticed, uh, you know, some of them just translate to God, but others were very specific. Others meant sun, because some people did worship the sun. So God is saying, hey, there are so many gods, but let me tell you which one I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What he is doing, he is, he is invoking his story. But guess what? We still don't have a name. There are bits of character here. You know, let's, let's look at this. So God said, take off your shoes because this is holy ground. We are beginning to see characters of God. He is holy. Now, problem when our current, in our current times when we hear holy, we think only in moral terms. And we think that it's, it, it, his, his, uh, uh, it's, it's moralistic and uptight. And, and uh, that's, that's what we imagine. And, and the problem is, it's an incomplete view of what holiness is. And therefore, it, it gives us false ideas about God. So. Holy means completely separate. So when, when they would say things like, oh, this is a holy vessel, what they meant, this cannot be used for any other thing but worship. Holy meant completely separate. So, oh, sorry, we, we're coming, I, I heard a big yawn, we're coming in slowly. So uh, George and I traveled somewhere, uh, we were trying to join people in marriage, and uh, And there was a room we were allowed, quote-unquote, the men and women of God. And um, nobody else was allowed in there with shoes. Only we could. Like, that was something. You know, I look at Trinity. You people don't even bring me water. Some places I go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, 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 no. Not at all. Okay, thank you. Well, so. Uh, what, what what these people are trying to communicate, that's a holy place, right? But holy, what holy means is this is com- completely separate. So what God is saying is, I am completely separate in a class of my own. And so when we come to purity, because that's all we think about, yes, God is completely separate in his purity and he's in a class of his own. When it comes to strength, God is completely separate in his strength and he's in a class of his own. When it comes to, to love, God is completely separate in his love and he's in a class of his own. That is what it means when God says, I am holy. He's also saying, I am separate from all those other gods. So we're beginning to see character. You know, we we read uh, somewhere that he says, oh, I've seen how my people are suffering. We're beginning to see character. This is a God who cares about how his creation treat each other. We're beginning to see character. So we have a story. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have glimpses of character, but we still don't have a name. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of uh, uh, the Egyptians. So go, I am sending you to bring my people, Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Two, we're again seeing a bit of character. This is a God who moves into action. Oppression makes a sound that God hears. Suffering makes a sound that God hears. And so say, I have come to move. I've come to do something. And then the other thing we're seeing about his character. We'll deal a lot more with character. I'm not just walking through this. Uh, Is that he's a God who prefers to work through people. I have come to make a difference. Now you go. Oh, come on. I thought you were God. And I thought you made the difference. Yeah, I do. And I prefer working through people. So we have a bit of character. And we have a story. We still don't have a name. So Moses says, who am I that I should go? He's like, okay, God, great idea. You've heard your people but I'm not your guy. Who am I that I should go? See, if you know the story of Moses, he was a murderer. He didn't suffer with the Israelites. He grew up in, in the palace. So he's thinking, I am not really qualified for the kind of job you're asking me. And so many of us think that. Then this is in, how God' response is so cool. Uh, verse 11, but, but Moses, said, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? To Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt, then God said, I will be, or with you, and this will be a sign to you that uh, it is I who have sent you, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Okay, Moses has an identity crisis moment, we all have that from time to time, and uh, God said, instead of God, you know, if, if you and I were sitting in the room, we'd go, oh, but Joy. You're an excellent speaker. You can do this. Or, oh, but Edgar, you, you have, these are your experience. You can do this. God does not prop Moses up at all. It's even like he doesn't he, even hear the question. Who am I that I should go? And God says, I will be with you. Wait, wait, that's not really the question I asked. See, part of what God is, 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 is doing here, we're seeing a bit of his character. He leverages himself, not you. When God calls us to partner with him, it's not really about what you can do, your experience, your abilities. He's he's leveraging himself. He has decided to make it happen. I remember when we were transitioning this church uh, and one of the clear prophetic words we heard was that, uh, you know, we should never uh, uh, lose the pl- uh, worship should never lose its place in this, in this sanctuary. I'm like, yes, that makes sense. But what I thought that meant is that I have to keep leading worship until we can hire a worship leader who's been trained and all that. And, uh, and, and George had been with us for, I think, a little over a year. And so we were co leading. I would, I would finish leading worship, then take a break for some water, then come back on stage. Because I was like, oh, God has said we can't let this go. Then one day I had to travel and I came back. Uh, 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 everyone thought I was going to go for two weeks. I sneaked into the church with, you know, like really dressed in hip hop because y'all don't allow me to do it from stage. And so very few people knew I was at the back. And, and I got to see George lead worship without my, my interference on stage. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I meant I will keep worship as a central place. Because I thought it was about me and how well we'll do it. And, and God was saying, no, 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 no. I will be with you. Trust me. So after the celebration, I went up to George and said, well, I just got out of a job. It was all. Anyway, long, let's not get distracted. So God is saying I will be with you but there's something about that word uh, that God uses. He's not saying I will be with you in future. Of course he will. But that word has two tenses. It also means in present in the present. God is saying and, th- and that's why if you read it in the original it doesn't it just says ehai eh, with you. It's because it means two things. I am with you and I will be with you. God, God is, the God interacting with Moses is the God who is present. He's also saying to Moses, I have been present with my people through their suffering. I am present with you. I will be present with you. And it's my presence that empowers you for the work I'm calling you to. Now, if there's so many things. It feels like you're in theology school right now, so you might forget a few things. You might drop off and sleep. This thing I want you to remember. God is present with you. The God who is interacting with you right now is a God who is present. And I know that there are some dark times. We all will go through those. He's the God who is present. Hint, hint to Emmanuel, right? Anyway, so we have a bit of character. We have a, story, a lot more of the story, uh, but we still don't ask the name. We, d- we still don't have the name. So this is why Moses brings it up. And he says, well, okay, I get it. You will be with me. I get it. You're holy. But you know, if I go down there, they will ask me what your name is. Do you know why? Because they were living at a place where there are so many gods. And also, the characteristics of God we've just seen, other gods could claim it. I'm sure people who worshipped the sun said, well, it's holy. Look at how bright it is. Right? So, it's like, okay, great. But what is your name? Moses asks. And I think... If, if, if it wasn't enough to just have the story and the character for Moses, I invite us to that place. It's not enough to just know, oh, God is this and God is that and have the name. And, and next week I'll explain a lot more what, uh, of why that's so important. And you know what? Sometimes we give credit to the wrong gods. Israelites did it. They then started worshiping a calf and said, this is the one that took you out of Egypt. So sometimes we can give the story to the wrong being. So that's why Moses, it's important what Moses is doing. What is your name? So Moses said to God, suppose the Israelites, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your father has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Then God said, Echieh, Asher, Echieh. This is what you're to say to them. Echieh has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So not only is a name important for Moses, even for God, it's a big deal. He's going, hey, by the way, I'm not called God. This is my name, and this is the name you shall know me by forever and ever, from generation to generation. Another just silly example. If, you, if you're in Nakuru town, and you go, oh, I wanted to go to, to, to the office of that pastor. Then that's 10,000, well, maybe not 10,000, but a couple thousand people in Nakuru. But if you say, Pastor Ras, trust me, you'll still be brought here, even though I haven't had dreadlocks in like two years. Why? You're using a story which is distinguishing me. But you see, that still doesn't mean you know my name. Which would say to me, you don't know me actually. Right? Well, except for Chris, he forgets names, but he hasn't ever forgotten mine, so that's cool. Um, You know, uh, so God God responds to this question with a name, and he says, This is my name forever. It's not optional, it's not one we could swap out with another. Saying, this is my name. But there's something interesting happening. If you've noticed, there's something really powerful happening as God reveals his name. But, but God said, I am who I am. It is the same phrase uh, that we got earlier when he's saying, I will be with you or I am with you. Mo- what God is saying to Moses deeply reveals Uh, It reveals something deep about his character. He's saying, hey, I am the unchanging one. I am the consistent one. Anything you will learn about me will never change about me. If you learn that I am merciful, I am perfect in mercy and I am merciful always. If you learn that I am forgiving, I am forgiveness itself and i am per- and i'm always forgiving if you learn that i am just i am justice itself and i'm always full of justice that's a big deal moses we're starting to walk together i promise you one thing i will never change see people in my family and my friends say that i am kind yet the very close people to me know that i am not always kind i'm sometimes kind I've heard people say, well, Edgar's generous. Well, if you go to George, you go, yeah, sometimes. Because we are not consistent. Other things people might worship are not consistent. But God is saying from the onset, whatever you will learn about me, I am perfectly that. And I am always that. Now you see where the, 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 the phrase, God is good? and all the time that's how deep it is it's like hey if you find me good I won't be good today and then when you mess up I'm not good to you anymore if you find that I forgave you of that big thing the next big thing because we're human beings we try out big things I will still be forgiving so does God have a name yes And it's not God, it's not Elohim, and sometimes we use that interchangeably. It's not Guy, it's not Nassai, it's not Assis, those are titles. I'm not saying those are wrong, please hear me right. Those are titles. It's like pastor, or doctor, or managing director. Those are just titles, but he has a name. The problem with titles is that they can be used to refer to so many other deities and things people worship. Any godlike spirit or the words used in the, in the New Testament like rulers and demons. All those are the things people worship and therefore they are gods. So it's not enough. And he says his name is I Am. Now, there's something some of you might have noticed that there's a shift. One, he says, yeh, Asher And then he changes to Yahweh. What's going on there? See, only God can say, I am who I am. Nobody else can go, oh, I am like, well, you're not. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, it's like you, you, you introduce, you know, someone sees you doing something, and, and, and they ask, who do you think you are? And you say, I'm me. You know, if if someone... Uh, uh, found me acting in my authority as lead pastor of this church and goes, who do you think you are? And I'm not in the best of moods. I'll just say, I'm me. And then they go around and say, I just met me. Wouldn't make sense. That's why it changes. Because only God can say, I am who I am. And w- 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 that's what it sounds like when it's coming from his mouth. When it's coming from anybody else's mouth, it is, he is. Which is what translates to young yeah, So, the God that is inviting you in this moment has a name. His name is Yahweh. And we'll be looking at why that's so important. But why does a name matter? Why why shouldn't I just know him as God? Isn't that enough? He is, isn't he? This is why name matters. We identify people using name, story, and character. Two, there are so many gods and they also have names too. So when you say God, which one? Are you talking of Vishnu or Krishna? Those are gods and they have names. So when you say, oh, I worship God, which one? This one is about Yahweh, the consistent. Deuteronomy 5, hear, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. It is is not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us. It was the same God and had a covenant with the ancestors, but now he's made a covenant with us. There's something happening. God, God is building the story. It's the same God, but now there's a story with them. I want to pause there because I want you all to realize the story God is inviting you into is not just the story of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Peter and James and John. It is a story he wants to write with you also. God wants to write a story with you. So one day, it won't just be said, oh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and John and James and and all those people. It will also be said, no, this is a God of Rose. Now, distinction. Your story fits in with the larger story. If it's just the God of, of, of Ben and it is not rooted in the larger story, we start creating God in our own image. That's why... Moses is saying, hey, this is the God of our ancestors, and he has made this covenant with us. And so this is the same God, the story we're encountering, and he wants to write a story with you and me. He's very present. The Lord spoke to you face to face, uh, to, to face out of the fire of the mountain. At the time, I stood between the Lord and you and de- uh, to declare to you the word of the Lord. Because you were afraid of the fire and did not go to the mountain. And he said something we know now, we're very familiar with. I am Yahweh, your Eloheinu. I am Yahweh, your God. It's no longer I am Yahweh. It is still Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now I am your God. I am yours and you're my people who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall, make for yourself, uh, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, on the earth, beneath or below the waters. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. See, that's the beginning of what we call the Ten Commandments. So we're very familiar with that. But I want us to see what's happening here. Now, they've been journeying together under the leadership of Moses. And, 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 and God does two things. He says his name and the story. See, because in the Bible, they never abandoned this idea that there are many gods, but this is your God. So God says, I am Yahweh, your God. And guess what? We have a story together. We have history. I got you out of slavery in Egypt. In other words, those other gods have other names. Don't worship them. Those other gods did nothing for you. Don't worship them. If you're asking who to worship, I am Yahweh your God. I have a name. And this is our story. And then he begins to talk to them. Basically... The other thing God is saying is that he's admitting, yes, there are other gods around. There are other gods around. This is what makes us distinct. I have a name and it's unique. And you are my people as I am your God. And it's the same thing today. It's the same thing today. The Bible does not hide from this story, uh, from this reality, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Do you all know the song? Let's see this. All the other gods. There is none. Okay, what a wonderful song. Now, uh, this is what that song is referring to. Now, the only reason we don't do it at Trinity is that it, is, it, it, it has a bit of uh, a theological inaccuracy. That's why we don't do it. Because it says that all the other gods are the works of men. Now, and women, just human beings. Now, the problem is that that's not what the Bible teaches. And we'll get into that. The Bible says God created everything that is seen and unseen. Hinting at even those things people worship, God created. What I'm saying is that God's are real, real spiritual beings that were created by God. None of which should be worshipped. But they were created by God with an independent will. Just like human beings were given an independent will. And then they rebelled against God and took for themselves what only belongs to God. And that is his worship. Well, and I mean so many other things. They are in opposition to God. They claimed to be creators. They claimed to own people. They claimed to be doing these things. But they're not any less real. The psalm says God is enthroned on on the praises of his people. So when they began using, uh, taking worship from people, they, they were beginning to pretend that they can take the place of God. But they are not any less real. So the question isn't whether other gods exist. The question is, which one shall you worship? The question isn't whether other gods exist. The question is, Who is truly worthy of worship? It's not what the Bible is admitting. It's not that, hey, you know, these people were trying to get to Yahweh and then they lost their way. But they were meaning Yahweh. No, the Bible is saying, no, no, these people were worshiping real spiritual entities. And I am your God. They can worship what they want. But if you're going to be my people, I am your God. You see, the challenge with with Israel, you'll find two things that God gets mad at Israel about. It's always about injustice. And two, that they would worship other gods alongside Yahweh. So it's not that they weren't there. God's going, no, no, no. I am your God. Because he knows everyone around has other gods. So, and I think that's the same, same story today. We make the assumptions often that those, we, those other gods don't exist. We make the assumption that people are just wrong in what they're worshipping, but they really meant God. And that's why we come up with ideas such as all paths lead up the same mountain, right? And we think, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. I can, I can just worship with them. After all, there's only, there's only one true God, right? So it doesn't matter how we pray. And here Yahweh is saying, actually it does. Don't mess with that stuff. Here are a couple of things I want us to remember as we come to a close. God has a name. And he wants you to know his name. Not just the title. God has a story. He wants you to know his story. And he wants to write a story with you. God has a character, and he wants you to know his character. When we don't, we start creating God in our image and likeness. Someone who's not met you and has heard just bits of you, if they describe you, they'll describe something really awkward. Right? Two, God wants to be known and wants to know you. He is a person. I'm not saying, oh, just like you and me, but he has personhood. He has feelings. He has a will. He has emotions. Maybe it was the same thing. (laughs) Uh, 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 He has a a mind of his own, and and he wants to be known. And so he reveals himself. That's what the Bible is, the revelation of Yahweh. But it doesn't stop there. He wants to know you. He's not unknowable. He is present with you. He is present with you. Bringing it to land, I just want to point out a few implications. One, the Bible is making what was a very scandalous claim then. And it's more and more scandalous today. The Bible is saying... That there is only one God worthy of worship. And this is his name. Only he, Yahweh, is worthy of worship. It's not claiming that there aren't other gods. And that you couldn't worship anything else. When we start looking at his character, we'll see why God claims that. When we imagine that there are no other gods that becomes dangerous because then we can mess around with things thinking they have no harm. When we imagine that, that uh, uh, all paths lead in the same direction, we're in a dangerous place. Two, specifically to, to Africans in the room, there's a push to redeem our story after years of being left behind. And I love that. I am all for it. I even tried to change uh, the, the name that people use mostly from Edgar to a war. It just doesn't, it never sticks. But I just, I'm just going, Africa has always been uh, uh, in God's heart and mind. We're not second to the story of, of our father. And that's something God is doing. On the wings is coming the story of the world. And as it's also trying to redeem the story in its own broken way for political and monetary reasons, we are are seeing a resurgence of other things that people worshiped. And the lie that's being told, like it did it didn't matter. Now, there are titles we use for God, and I think those are okay. But let's be careful. Let's not bring up spiritual beings in the name of, oh, but you see, this is how we worshipped God. Yeah, which one? Which one? Which one? It's like when, when God was showing himself up to Abraham, He's going, yeah, I know your fathers worshipped this. But I want to start a very unique relationship with you. He still called him Elohim. But he was going, no, no, but this is a very different Elohim. So as I finish, uh, uh, George, would you come up? Here are the implications for us today. We need to acknowledge that this, I know, sounded like a broken record. Maybe I am. We need to acknowledge that there are other gods and others worship them. But for us, Yahweh is our God. We are his people. You remember the famous line from Joshua, ask for me and my house. This is why. It wasn't just poetry. It was deep theological truth. So as for me and trinity this is the god we worship. Two be careful how you think about god and spirituality. I hear so many people say they are spiritual but not religious. Great, I love those people. And if you're here I love you. This you're in the right place. Join us as we do spirituality. I do have one question: Which spirit? There's so many spirits. I hear people say, "I'm you know, I'm religious. I'm not so sure about Christianity, but I believe in God." Great, I do too. Which one do you believe in? We must stop assuming. That that those are empty statements. While for others, it's just a lack of knowledge. I I accept that some people just don't know. I'm telling you that some people are worshiping true entities. A couple weeks back, I was in Nepal. And what they offer for tourism is you you go through the temples. And so I was walking through uh, several uh, holy sites. And I'm taking pictures because I'm a tourist. But they were worshiping. I saw I, I saw people burn incense, you know uh, how we deal with the death is all, with the dead is always a sacred moment, and so I saw live cremations and how the priest would bless the body. They were doing something spiritual. I was walking through as a tourist, but guess what? I felt it in my body. I knew I was in a spiritually live environment. I knew I was in a spiritually live environment. And the same way, some people walk in here, and later on they tell me, you know, I just felt loved,
1: or I just could tell that the presence of God was here because it's real. Three, watch
0: what you do with, uh, watch what you think about spirituality. Sorry, it took too long today. It's because it was the beginning of a series, and this is a bit of a complex issue. Give me. Watch how you live out your spirituality. Stop messing with things out there, thinking it's fun and games. Tarot cards, palm reading, witchcraft, praying, praying from trees. Like, ah, oh, but there's nothing. It's just a tree.
1: Yeah, could be. Or could be. See, the reason I said, uh, you know, I went back, all the other gods, there, the works of men. I'm like, no, no, no. In the
0: commandments, God differentiates between gods and idols, right? Idols are the things we create from rock, metal, wood, uh, ideology. And sometimes they're just empty.
1: Sometimes they're real anchors to spiritual beings. Stop messing around with that stuff. Four. What's how you think about uh, worship and idolatry? Anything that gets your devotion in the way that only belongs to God has become an idol. Very few people have have wooden carvings in their homes that
0: they bow to, but we've bowed our heads to money, success, romance, Beauty, relationships, sex, politics, anything that's staking our devotion in a way that only belongs to God has become an idol. So watch. You want to know what you worship? Check your schedule and your budget. What's staking up most
1: of everything? Some of us, it's our Instagram. So John finishes by saying his, his,
0: his letter to the church. Little children, keep yourselves away from
1: idols. I'm saying that to Trinity. God's children, keep yourselves away from idols. Lastly, love your neighbor wholeheartedly. Don't
0: impose what you believe on people. I'm not saying don't share your faith. We just don't impose. We love each other, we love others, and the spirit of Jesus in, uh, draws men and women to himself. But just, we have this warped idea that tolerance is, is, is just this, oh, yeah, we're, we're all God's children, we, we all worship the same thing, no, no, no. Christians, we're invited to love our neighbors, not tolerate. And, and tolerate is, is even a bad, it's not
1: very positive. You tolerate your neighbor's dog as it barks through the night. We're called to love. So we can sit with our Muslim brothers, our
0: Hindu brothers, our, our Buddhist brothers and, and disagree and just go, no, I don't think
1: I don't think it's the same. But I love you. When we rise. Whew. Okay, so I told you it might be a heavy one. So if, if
0: I have raised more questions than I have answered, please write them and put
1: them in that bucket and we'll find ways to respond to them. Uh, could our prayer team come up front? If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. There's a line in that song George sang over us. It says,
0: you won't condemn us. I think so. I just feel as we were walking through this, the enemy is lying to some of us that we are condemned because, you know, we've, we've messed around with other things. And we, we just
1: love to pray over you because that's not, that's not the voice of the Father. Or if you're sick, we'd love to pray with you. I'm just going to pray a blessing over us and release us. uh, Because
0: we've taken a lot of time already. Yet I encourage you, don't just storm out. Don't just leave yet. Spend a bit of time, as much as your schedule and kids can allow. Spend a bit of time just in God's presence,
1: in Yahweh's presence for you. Yahweh our God. We love you. You love us. We belong to you. Yahweh our God. We thank you because we are called by your name. And I pray that as we go, you will continue to be present with us. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in his name, go bear his name, and may you find him faithful, who has always been faithful.